You put your all into delivering quality and value on time. And when your customer doesn't pay, it doesn't just hurt your feelings. It hurts your business. At MetCredit, we get it. We collect overdue receivables fast and treat your customers with respect. Go to MetCredit.com to get started. MetCredit, we get it. This is Overdue Advice, the podcast about cash flow strategies to grow your business. Brought to you by MetCredit. Everybody pay up. Welcome to Overdue Advice. I'm Andreas Schwabe. MetCredit's desks aren't the usual fun personal space you see in most offices. Privacy and confidentiality rules mean most working spaces have to be clear of everything. Not even pens and paper are allowed. What you will see on a growing number of desks around MetCredit offices are longtime service awards, 5, 10, 15, and some even over 20 years on the job at MetCredit. The financial services sector is built on trust. The clearer the contract, the more trust. In debt collection, experience is the currency of trust. Debt collection is a people business, after all, and that becomes clear with this episode's guests. The conversation is less about the job and more about them. We wanted to know about their bigger picture. We get some background in history and why they chose to work at MetCredit and what their goals are and what motivates them more with an eye to the long term. Every workplace tries to cultivate a positive work environment with motivated employees. MetCredit's approach is that doing what's good for people is what's good for business. And what's good for the collection business is trust, and that means longtime staff, and that's exactly why we're talking to longtime collectors who chose to make a career of collections. 30-something middle managers with double-digit years of service in the financial sector, they're kind of unicorns. They know it can be ick work sometimes. They know it's often uncomfortable. But they've elevated their careers to being leaders in their company and the field. They're all different, but they have the same work and service ethic. You'll definitely want to hear the answer to, how do you like your job? I apologize for the sound quality. There was some construction next door while we were recording, but we've done our best to provide good audio. And I haven't mentioned their names yet, because that's the first thing I did in studio. With me today is Quinn Yule, Collection Manager for Financial Services, Katrina Nielsen, Collection Manager for Government Services and Telecom, and Zach Abdi, a Collections Consultant, or Collection Specialist, which is it? A consultant. Okay, so you're not that special. No. (laughs) Just checking. Just checking. So today we're talking about careers and collections. And um, we've talked about jobs on the podcast before. And really, we're sort of trying to get people to understand the job and what the job is like and to maybe think about getting a job in collections. And and we're sort of past that. And we want to talk about that longer term thing. Like I said in the introduction, so much of... Uh, financial services is built on trust and knowing the other side. And you're dealing with a situation in debt collection where the trust has been broken. I mean, someone hasn't lived up to their part of the bargain, and now you guys get called in. So everyone has an idea of debt collectors and debt collection, and I really want to sort of build this from the ground up. So I'm going to start with Quinn, and we're just going to go sort of through what you what your childhood and and growing up was like really so tell me about where you grew up and where you went to school especially post-secondary if any okay uh so i grew up in edmonton Mm -hmm. i was born like probably eight blocks from here Uh, (laughs) um i grew up mostly though in an acreage just outside of edmonton uh and so i had a pretty good upbringing like i had a stay-at-home mom which was very nice that's a luxury oh that was um so yeah um and i went to 
uh, high school at Victoria School of the Arts, close oh. close by here. Yeah. Elementary, junior high, high school. And then I went to post-secondary at Nate, and I took graphic design. So you're like an actual rare, actual Edmontonian. Yes. Holy cow. Hard. <laughs> and oh, Wow, that's amazing. And so what did you take? And So you went to Grant McEwen for arts? I went to Nate for arts. Or Nate for arts. Yeah, it was for graphic design. Okay. Yeah, just like specifically just the communications aspect of it. So just learning the software. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't really care to go all the way and learn like all the in-depth actual art side of things mm. i just wanted to know how to use the software you already had the idea of what you wanted to do oh yeah i didn't yeah. need anybody to teach me that <laughs> just the tools really as yeah. much as anything yeah and i mean it's not like picking up a paintbrush anyone can pick up a paintbrush but yeah i mean anyone can grab a mouse but you still have hundreds of options and stuff and functions and there's things. so many things yeah and as much as i enjoyed doing that stuff on my own it was definitely easier just to pay someone to teach me right yeah, yeah. zach how about you I was born, grew up born and raised in Ontario, uh, born in Ottawa, grew up in Scarborough, mm -hmm. spent my whole up 16, 17 years in Ontario, and then we moved out here back in 2010, and then just on and off for school, back and forth between Ontario and here, but now here full time. And what did you take in school? Um, accounting. I had, I had my four-year degree. My major is accounting. Is it commerce or business? Or? Uh, business, BBA. Okay. Is there still such a thing as a commerce degree? They're kind of dying out. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody knew the difference. No. I so, okay. So you took a four-year? Yeah, four years. I did my diploma back in Ontario at Niagara College and then fin finished the degree at Nate. Uh, and what was your goal? Did you have a goal? Um, when I entered school, I originally just wanted to just better myself, just do something, create an opportunity for myself. Um, as I kind of progressed in the four-year degree, I decided to kind of pivot more, like, you know, get an accounting job. Landed a couple interviews. Um, for some reason or another, I wasn't really interested in accounting. So I decided, you know what, let me just look for another opportunity today. And collections came up. There you go. And Katrina, tell me about your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my childhood, I grew up on beautiful Vancouver Island. Okay, jealous already. In Duncan, BC. I went to couch and secondary and I moved here when I was 19. I never went to post-secondary. Okay, so what, what did you do when you were 19? I was waitressing. And not enjoying it by the look on your face? No. Not really? No. No. Did you do retail or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I did a little bit of retail. A little bit. Of, I, did, I worked at a graphic design place, waitressed. What did you want to be when you grew up? I didn't know. You didn't know? Zach, how about you? Um... Definitely something business related. Really? But yeah, I grew up in a like a low income neighborhood, and um, a lot of the guys in my neighborhood, if it wasn't sports, um, who made it out, they became entrepreneurs. They specialized in business, and it always for me long term something in business. It was it was the way out. Yeah. Really? Okay, Quinn. I wanted to be an artist. Yeah. Yeah. What kind? Um, well, it depends on what part of my childhood, but it went from being a fine artist to an interior designer to an interior decorator to a graphic designer to just designing things so just a creative person creative you just yeah. want to make the world more beautiful yeah um so this is the, the the sort of a pivotal question and what's interesting about it is that everybody i've talked to so far uh and it's even come up a few times without bringing it up uh is did you fall into collections or did you choose collections it's like a combo of both uh i was working in retail at uh the time and uh the store I was working at was going to be, like, it was 
they were closing down. You know, we weren't getting new stock in and everything was being sold. So I was talking. There's to, a hint. Hey? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was talking to one of my good friends at the time and she worked for which uh, they're not even operating anymore. And um, not in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So she worked for and she told me that uh, just based off of my personality, she thought that I would be good in collections. So I just like I just looked up collection agencies and threw out my resume to everyone that was hiring and I think Met Credit called me the next day. Well, what yeah. was what was it about your personality that she thought was suitable for collections? Um, I'm a firecracker. I don't back down in a fight. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Not a wallflower. No, no. Always had a very, very big personality. Zach, how about you? Um, actually, I had my first collection job when I was 20. Um, at a, I did a co-op with a company called in the head office in Edmonton. They're no longer around. But it was internal collections. Okay, that seems to be a theme, like financial companies that aren't around. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it was a great experience. Like I had a fun time learning, um, like applying what I learned in school. And one thing in business is accounts, like um, everything in business is done on accounts receivable. Um, You know, giving credit, paying it back later, and just to kind of apply apply what I learned and seeing actual results kind of motivated me to maybe take it more serious. So you you really picked it. You didn't just sort of drop yeah. in it was yeah. looking at it and going yeah there's some potential here yeah yeah okay and katrina i just was applying for office jobs just anything not being a waitress <laughs> or work in retail yeah i just wanted to be a little bit more financially stable on my own and i didn't want to do retail or waitressing i just didn't really see a end in that where it was gonna get me to where i wanted to be cool okay so cat as a manager what is your day-to-day? Like, what are the things that you deal with sort of routinely? Or do you even get a routine? I have a revolving door with 18 different staff, uh, different personalities, different client requirements. So are you mostly counseling them on on how to handle their stuff? Yeah, so I set up dialers, um, and then I'm coaching them on different things to say on the phones and and going through their their accounts and helping them with things. It is astonishing to me the the range of emotions that you guys have to deal with day to day as a career. So you have to have a degree of emotional intelligence. I'll just call it maturity um, to deal with that. Is that a big part of the job for you? Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Oh, it's massive. It's when either when you're dealing with debtors or you're dealing with staff or you're dealing with managers or you're dealing with just, it doesn't matter who you're dealing with. Right. And as, as you grow, obviously, you know, in collections, you get more comfortable and mm. it becomes, does it become easier? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, it becomes so much easier. If I think about, you know, sometimes it's, you forget how hard it is starting out because it is hard to, as simple as it might seem simple to us, like here's, here's a script, here's some catchphrases, mm-hmm. read them, you know, find, find financial or go through their finances, find their option. That seems so simple. But when I remember back to my first year here, it was really hard to condition yourself into following this process that works so well, but it's not a natural way of going through a call. Right. It's not it's just not natural to speak to speak to other people like that. Right. Um, and so I sometimes forget how hard that is for people that well, are starting. This is fresher for Zach. So how's so you've you've embarked on a career in collections now. And and how was that first while? Because you've been at this for about a year and a half now. Yeah, almost two. OK, almost two. Um, when I first started out, I was a bit uncomfortable. 
Um, a couple reasons. First, talking to um, other people about their money problems. Where I grew up, what my parents taught me, that was a big no-no. Right. Like money problems. That's very Canadian. Yeah. It's just, you got to keep it to yourself. Yeah. And um, another um, issue that I kind of struggled with is some like people's personal situation. Like they tell you this happened, that happened. I lost my job. My loved one passed away. Like it's, you kind of, you get emotionally invested. Mm -hmm. And I got to a point where I realized what makes a good collector and um, apart from an average collector is the ability to listen and acknowledge what the debtor is saying, but also keep it relevant. Like, yes, this may have happened. That may have happened. And, and you know, don't dismiss it. Okay, I understand. And But just the cost has to continue. And this balance is still due. I, I do kind of like separate like myself professionally and personally. Like, I mean, because at the end of the day, um, it kind of makes the job easier, right? It's just business, right? Um, when you, for example, there was one, um, and also it's kind of, you have to kind of change your approach, right? Some debtors um, off the get-go, firm and professional. Other debtors are more my reserved self, quiet and soft tone. Um, there's one um, debtor last week. He he has he had anxiety issues and stuff like that, and he got lost his job. You know, um, lived with mom and dad. I think he was in his mid to early thirties. And um, but but just by acknowledging, like, okay, I realize this person is a bit more um, has anxiety issues. You know, changed up instead of that firm tone, more softer tone. And he ended up speaking to his family for help, and they paid all three of his accounts, and there were significantly large balances. Hmm. The single biggest cause of bad debt write-offs is procrastination. With every day you wait, the chances of ever getting paid go down. At MetCredit, we get it. We collect business receivables fast. And if we don't succeed, you don't pay. Go to MetCredit.com and stop waiting for money you deserve. MetCredit, we get it. Now, one thing I want to point out is you're referring to people as debtors. People often think, I think most people hear debtor as a judgment, and it is a status. It's just sort of right now you're in debt, and you're a debtor, and you need to pay that off. And when you're done, you're done. You're not a debtor anymore. Um, it's just a social thing that I think bears bringing forward. And I also think it's like a generational thing. I think maybe my grandma, like grandparents' time, um, the word a debtor wouldn't really have that negative connotation as it does now. Right. Um, and kind of, um, especially the way with collection laws... They're more favoring the consumer, so it kind of empowers the consumer, and you don't want to use... Like, I would never refer to um, a person on the phone as a debtor, but, right. yeah, but off the phone. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and that actually takes us to my next point or question, which is professional development. And that's a big part of it, is is developing those skills and knowing just how to navigate the waters of, of this kind of heavy emotional sea, really. What's the professional development that you have had? Just by doing it. Yeah? Yeah. I, and I feel like I've always been kind of a mentor in my personal life. I love sharing my experiences of things that I've had, uh, whether it's personal or professional. I think that if I can help one person out there with some of the trials and tribulations that I've done, then it's a win for me. Jack? Um, for me, it's a couple of things. Um, one is for sure always coming to Quinn or Rob whenever I have questions taking in their feedback, whether I think it's good or bad, <laughs> reflecting on it and just kind of building on that. Um, another th couple, another thing that I did for personal growth was um, I look at the best collectors on our team and also even other teams and I kind of benchmark myself to them, right? And I look at what they do and um, kind of their performance, right? And I try to close that gap. 
and kind of because I used to love playing basketball as a kid, mm-hmm. and there's that competitiveness, right? You always want to be number yeah, one. Yeah, you're a goal setter. Yeah. yeah, and then that kind of pushed me to further develop myself, and also doing courses outside of work. Um, before doing my certified credit professional, like the first course, mm-hmm. I did something called the National Collectors Collectors Certificate Program. It was a six week um, module, and it taught me kind of like um, the industry background. Like I felt like when I first started the job after a year. Like, okay, I know all of this about the job, but I'm missing that industry background. And for me, um, that can help me connect the dots better, build me uh, more confident. And what more, kind of things you're learning there? Um, like, for example, the importance of collections, like the value that it adds to the economy, right? I remember um, when Brian put up um, those these, the plaques of the company's ethics, values, and philosophy. One philosophy that kind of stuck out was protecting the health of the economy. And, you know, taking that course, I'm um, kind of like instantly realized what he was talking about it's if people don't pay their debts um if accounts receivables are not converted to cash then there's just no credit available to the wider eco- wider economy and stuff so like what we do allows uh, our clients to give out new loans to new customers or existing customers and we play a vital role in that you're just keeping the money in circulation yeah yeah no that's uh, that's I mean, that's profound ultimately because it gives you a way to think about it gives everyone a way to think about collections uh, in a way that is constructive as opposed to you're just getting something. It's actually, no, this is a vital part of how it, the economy runs. Quinn, what kind of professional development things did you experience or have you done? Um, That's pretty much all I do is mentoring, essentially, right? Um, And that's what I've, I, I started when I was 20, right? So everything I know about credit and collections, I did learn from um, the people who worked above me, right? And I've essentially just transferred the knowledge I've learned f- from them onto my current staff. And that's essentially what I spend half of my day doing is talking to my employees and just going over and over and over again, like why we do what we do and the importance of it and um, the long-term gains from really buying into what we do and yeah that's I just I do quite a bit of mentoring um I try not to get too personal with people but if they need a shoulder to cry on for whatever reason I am also there for them in that aspect as well a lot of people don't have that in their personal lives especially here um there's quite a few people that work here who aren't they're not from here right they've Mm. moved here they're newly they're newly either immigrated to Canada or just from a different province right. for better opportunities. And they like Vancouver Island, possibly. Yeah, from Vancouver <laughs> Island. Um, and so there's quite a few people here who don't have any kind of a personal life. They just come to work and then they go home. And so sometimes I can be there for them if they need somebody to talk to. Tell me about your journey from the collections floor to your own office. You have a door. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I with do. A window. I know. Downtown. It's nice. I like get to look at the the wall of another building. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it was a nice view. I just said you had a view. <laughs> I still get the sunshine. That's right. Um, well, it was. It's relatively straightforward, right? The man, the managers recognize people that are going above and beyond and doing more than the bare, bare, bare minimum, right? And that's essentially what I did, right? I. I worked really hard. I made money. And the biggest reason why I think and believe that I was able to progress in the company is that I wasn't scared to help the people around me. I never, if I heard somebody saying something on the phone that they shouldn't be saying, not following the scripts, not following our catchphrases, if I heard that, I would call them out on it. I would say, hey, why didn't you ask it this way? Why are you using that phrase instead of this phrase? You know, I had no problem 
with calling people out, essentially. And it's because I was called out and I wasn't about to, you know, have Rob or whichever manager telling me I'm not doing a call right and sit there and watch somebody else not do a call right. Right. I like justice and I like fairness. I was going to say fair is fair. (laughs) Fair is fair, right? I relate. I really relate. So I didn't let that happen, essentially. And so I just forced myself into a position without the actual benefits of that position. So eventually I kind of just worked my way into it. Right. You're doing it anyway. So why shouldn't they pay you for it? Well, and that's what I tell a lot of my staff, right? Actually, this guy right here, (laughs) Zach, he was asking me how to progress. And I told him, look, I didn't get I didn't get a raise and or a promotion because I sat there and like did, you know, oh, I just collected everything for me. And, you know, I'm just focused on myself. Give me a promotion. Right. It was because I put myself out there. Right. And I helped. I assisted management with the growth of the, uh, the entire team. Katrina, how did you progress? Same same thing or same thing. I you know, I I'm always here extra hours. I was always looking to the person above me to see um what I could do and where I could progress and how I could progress. And the thing is is if you wanna put in a a minimum wage effort, well you're only ever gonna make minimum wage. Right. So if you want the job, you have to work for it. And when you work for it, you're already doing the job. So when you get the position, it's a lot easier. Balance. When it comes to a career, how is the balance for this? And I'll start with Katrina again. Uh, it's good. Yeah, I still I still go on vacations. I still have my weekends for the most part and my evenings. Um, I try to have the philosophy of, you know, when I walk into the office, I leave my personal life at home. And when I leave the office, I leave work at, at the door. Zach? Um, when I first started, you know, fresh out of university, um, working a job Monday to Friday with the odd weekend, like having your weekends off free after 4 o'clock, I never experienced that in my life, so I had all this free time. But uh, as the months progressed, um, took you know, started like pursuing my hobbies and other interests, it was kind of tough, like balancing work, right? Let's just say if the month is not going good for you, you want to stay in an hour, an hour and a half, right? You have your, your significant other to take on a date or two. Um, you know, grocery shopping, going to the gym, all that. It took a while to kind of balance, but by making, like, weekly schedules, you know, um, like, if I plan on staying a bit of overtime, I'll plan it ahead. You know, I'll Sunday I'll put, okay, Wednesday I'm going to stay an hour later. Okay, um, Friday I'm going to go to the gym and et cetera. So you're going places because you're super organized. Yeah. <laughs> you are super organized. Like you've got plans to make plans. <laughs> balance. Um, I think the balance is really good. I mean, it's easy for me because I could work pretty much whatever hour. Like my boyfriend works outside of town. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy for me to just kind of pour myself into work when he's not here. And it doesn't right. really affect my personal life. I have cats. So <laughs> they only need me maybe like for an hour a day. There you go. <laughs> if that. Yeah. So it's been no issue for me um, having the weekends. Like I worked in retail before. Right. Mm. So I was used to working from 10 to what? Five o'clock. All those stupid split shifts. Right. Like, or from like four to nine. You know, Tuesday just, and Thursday off. Yeah, and, yeah. Like I was used to doing that. Right. So coming to a Monday through Friday job where you only had to work for three hours every other Saturday was like heaven for me. Hmm. You know, actually having the whole afternoon off, you know, being able to be outside during daylight hours was amazing to me. Um, so I personally never had an issue tra- like transitioning to it because it's very much your Monday through Friday job. What are your plans for the future? 
Stop buy it. a house and then make more money and sit on that money. <laughs> I really it. like money. Yeah, you like that. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Zach. Long term, huh? You know, I would ideally, um, you know, like to have a vacation home, uh, somewhere in Cape Town in South Africa. Okay. I just want to be happy. That's fair. <laughs> you That's know, fair. I want to be successful. I want to be happy, and I want to mentor people and make sure that they're happy, and just give my knowledge and my my happiness to everyone. A final question. Are you happy with your career choice? Yes. Why? It's allowed me to do a lot of things in my lifetime that a normal job wouldn't be able to. Definitely, yes. Why? Um, my credit has opened a lot of doors, um, you know, both pursuing my designation. Um, you know, the commission structure is, is very, very, very generous. What's your designation you're after? Uh, the Certified Credit Professional. CCP. How far are you into that? Um, I finished my first module. Should get the results back this week or next. And then um, I plan on taking two courses next semester. So, yeah, I mean, opened a lot of doors. Um, and it life's been going good since working at my credit. Good. Queen, final word. I am in love with my job. And I really am. And I don't think I would have... Uh, I was I was positive that I was stuck in retail for the rest of my life at one point when I decided that I wasn't going to go back to school. So this job opened up all of the opportunities that I didn't think I had. And I am so much further along in life I ever thought I would be at this point. Everybody pay up. That's all for this episode of Overdue Advice. Thank you to Quinn Ewell, Katrina Nilsson, and Zach Abdi of MetCredit. MetCredit is on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at MetCredit. In Canada, visit metcredit.com, and in the United States, visit metcreditusa.com. For more information about what MetCredit can do for your business, visit the MetCredit blog by Brian Sommerfeld at blog.metcredit.com. It also includes useful tools and calculators to assess your business debt risk. We want to hear from you. Like, subscribe, or leave a review, or share it with a friend or business associate. Drop us a line at overdueadvice at metcredit.com. Overdue Advice is the podcast about cash flow strategies to grow your business. Brought to you by MetCredit. Thanks for listening. I'm Andrea Schwabe. You run a business, you're successful. You don't wait for things to happen. You make them happen. So why aren't you collecting what's owed to you? The longer you wait, the less chance you'll ever see a cent. <laughs> so call MetCredit. We're your local debt recovery team, serving businesses of all sizes since 1973. And don't worry, we play nice. We're here to uphold your reputation and relationships. And speaking of nice, if we don't collect, you don't pay. Zero risk. Get to know us for when you need us at metcredit.com.